Welcome to the Investing in Oil and Gas.com podcast, where Mike brings you in the game and on the drilling rig. And now, Mike May. Well, hello again. This is Mike. I had a great week. This week, I visited a coring company because I'm considering running cores on an upcoming well and maybe many wells in the future. So I visited a coring service company uh, here in Houston and had a great time. I learned a lot and uh, learned some operational details that we'll need to run cores. So I thought I'd spend a little bit of time talking about coring. What is it? What are the benefits? And then maybe some of the operational details you need to know once you've made a decision to take a core. So let's start off with what is a core? When you are drilling under normal circumstances with a normal drill bit, you are simply creating a hole in the ground. So the drill bit is of a certain diameter and it turns around and around and around just like a drill bit that you would use to drill a hole in a piece of wood. And just like when you drill a hole in a piece of wood, the hole that's left is essentially the same diameter as the drill bit. In our case, we'll be drilling with a 7 and 7 eighths inch diameter bit to a depth of about 5,000 feet. And so most of our hole in the ground will simply be a cylindrical shaped hole that is 7 and 7 eighths of an inch in diameter. However, there are special bits called coring bits or core bits, and they have a hole in them in the bottom. So instead of being a solid 7 and 7 eighths on the bottom, they're sort of shaped like a donut. So they've got a 4 inch diameter hole right in the middle of them in the bottom of the bit. And so the bit is this donut shaped portion that is in between the 7 and 7 eighths inch outer diameter and the 4 inch hole in the middle. So I like to think of it as a donut shape. When you run in the hole with this kind of bit, and you turn, it cuts a hole that is 7 and 7 eighths inch in the outer diameter and 4 inches in the inner diameter. And the part that's inside the 4 inch hole in the middle does not get cut at all. So you're creating this sort of a tube shaped hole instead of a cylindrical shaped hole. And the rock that's in that 4 inch hole in the middle doesn't get touched at all. So you're sort of sliding. The effect is you're able to slide a piece of hollow pipe or tube down over this four inch rock, four inch cylindrical rock in the middle, which doesn't get touched at all. So let me say it another way in case you didn't catch that. You're still drilling a seven and seven eighths inch hole, but the four inch diameter rock that is in the exact middle of that hole does not get drilled. It just stays there untouched. And we're able to drill lengths of 30, 60, or 90 feet at a time like this. And so what we're essentially able to do is to slide a piece of pipe down over an untouched virgin piece of rock. And then we're able to break that rock at the bottom when we're done and bring the entire cylinder, four inches in diameter, all the way to the surface. And that's called a core. So once again, that core is four inches in diameter, and the length can be just however much we drill. It could be 30 feet, it could be 60 feet, it could be 90 feet, and there's fancy tools that can do hundreds of feet at a time. But typical everyday coring is 30 or 60 feet. 
and we'll probably be doing 60 feet. Coring is great when you have a specific target at a particular depth that you want to evaluate. And that's exactly what we have. We have a limestone formation at approximately 5,000 feet that we want to evaluate. And we know the name of that formation. We know where it exists across multiple counties. And we know the depth of that formation that it should be in our well because we have 3D seismic over this location and over a neighboring location where there's an existing pumping oil well. And we have the wireline logs for that neighboring location where there's an existing pumping oil well. So we have an awful lot of data. We've got the 3D seismic, which includes our location, a neighboring location, and we've got the wireline logs on the neighboring location. So we have a very good handle on the depth that this formation should be at in our well. And it's on a high structure. And so we think that there's oil accumulating in the top of that structure. So we know exactly what we're looking for. This particular limestone formation at 5,000 feet, we just want to know if it's got oil in the top of it. The total thickness of it is, is over 50 feet thick, but perhaps the top 10 or 20 feet will be saturated with oil. And so we would love to get a great formation evaluation on that top 10 or 20 feet of this limestone. And wireline logs will give us some of the story, but they may or may not be conclusive. And the same is true with mud cuttings. We're certainly going to get mud cuttings and do a mud log, and we're certainly going to do a wireline log. I've been a wireline logger. I was for many years, so it's not that I have anything against wireline logs. I, I know a lot about them because I've run them personally in the field hundreds of times. But under these circumstances, with this kind of rock and this kind of fluid, they may be inconclusive. And with the case of cuttings, you're only going to get a handful of cuttings every few feet, maybe every five feet, maybe every 10 feet. And you will not know the exact depth that your cuttings came from. Now, logging, you'll get great measurements and you'll know exactly what depths they came from, but they may not be conclusive. But with a core, you get everything you ever wanted to know because you actually recover a real piece of rock from downhole. In our case, we'll probably start coring about 10 or 20 feet above this limestone in a shale that, that overlies the limestone. And then continue. We don't have to pick the top perfectly, right? We just need to be close, say within 10, 15, 20 feet, because we've got 60 feet of core barrel in our tool. So when we run in the hole with that donut-shaped bit that's got a hole in the middle of it, that's our core bit, we'll have 60 feet of core barrel above that, which is tube, which will receive that core. And so when this is over with, I will have drilled through 10 or 15, 20 feet of shale, and then into the very top of my target limestone formation, and then continue down until that 60 feet of tube is used up. So if I start out with 10 or 20 feet, let's just say 20 feet of shale, I'll have 40 feet of limestone, 20 feet of shale on top, plus 40 feet of limestone for a total of 60 feet of core. And in the top of that limestone, the top 10 or 20 feet or so, is where the oil should be. So I should have about 20 feet of oil 
the top of the limestone, and then below that, about 20 feet of water-filled limestone. So that's great, and that's what we hope to get. The great thing about a core is you get every single inch of rock. You get a big sample of it, not a tiny little cutting, but a big fat sample of it that you can darn near evaluate just with your own eyes. We can get this core out and look at it right there on location, just like if you brought something home from a store. <laughs> as soon as you, as soon as you get it to the surface, a lot of cores are taken to a laboratory, but in this case, we'll open it up and look at it right on the surface. We may be able to see with our own eyes which part of it is oil saturated and which part is not, but certainly if we put it under a black light, we'll just take it inside a trailer and shut the doors. It'll be dark inside, you know, even if it's daytime. We'll shine a black light on it and anything that contains crude oil will fluoresce, kind of a fluorescent yellow color. It stands out like crazy. It's sort of like glowing in the dark. So we'll be able to evaluate every inch of rock in our target formation, and we'll have a lot of samples. And since this core comes out, you've got all the pieces in the exact order. You can see geology as well in there that, you know, to a level of detail, you know, down to the millimeter level, because you're looking at a rock. It's just like holding a rock in your hand. You can hold this core in your hand and you can see everything in the core. So certainly you can see whether or not it contains oil and gas. And then you can also see something about the depositional environment. That'll give you some hints about the geology. And also if there's very hard streaks with low porosity, maybe high porosity or broken or fractured rocks, you can see those physical characteristics. And that can give you clues when you go back and look at your 3D seismic. You can figure out, oh, okay, now I see why I'm getting these responses on my 3D seismic. It's because this is the rock. And you can have the rock just sitting in front of you, just like your keyboard and mouse are sitting on your desk. You can have this long piece of rock. Of course, 60 feet of 4-inch diameter rock is not all going to fit on your desk. But it's solid rock, and it'll last for decades. Once you get it out of the hole, you can keep it forever. So there's just nothing better than a core for formation evaluation. Once we get it out, we can look at it. We can see, do we have oil? Yes or no. Exactly how much oil do we have? 8 feet, 12 feet, 10 feet, 25 feet. We can see it all in front of us. There's no doubt. And on top of that, you can use those specifics for your completion. So when you know exactly how much oil you have and where the water starts down below that, you can use that to make decisions about your completion, where you're going to perforate. You might have a strategy to perforate just at the very top. And once you know how much oil's there, you can make a much better decision on where to perforate. And if you get good results, great. If you get bad results, when you, I'm talking about when you bring in the well later on. If you've got a core there, you know you're justified in going back and doing whatever you need to do in the completion to bring that well on because you're sure there's oil in the formation. When you use logs or just cuttings, you may have some doubts. You don't know, well, is, is there really something there? Should we spend more time and effort? But when you get 20 feet of solid rock saturated with oil out of the well, you know you got an oil well. You know you just drilled through an oil zone down there, and uh, it's just a matter of, of getting it produced in the well.
So there's nothing better than a core for formation evaluation. The only thing that's bad about coring is the cost. It costs extra money and time to run cores. We have to hire this coring service company who will bring out that donut-shaped bit, the core bit, that will drill and leave the hole in the middle, and the equipment that goes above it, which is called a coring head and a core barrel. The core barrel is the long tube above the core bit that receives the core as we drill over it. So those are the three main pieces of equipment, the core bit, the core head, and the barrel. And finally, there's specialized personnel and location who do nothing but coring all the time. And they stand up there on the rig and monitor everything while you're drilling. And they will specify a special weight on bit, which is usually less than the normal weight on bit, the pump rate in barrels per minute, and the RPM of the bit. And the end result of all of that is that you're going to drill at about 10 feet per hour. Normally, we would drill at about 60 feet per hour with a normal bit and much higher weight on the bit. But while we're coring, we drill at about 10 feet per hour. But that's not bad because we can still drill 60 feet in six hours, and that's acceptable. So I have this coring operation under consideration. We may use it on this well. In fact, we may use it on all of our wells, or we may not use it at all. But that's what I'm doing this week, and uh, very interesting, so I thought I would share it with you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you being here. Our website is investinginoilandgas.com. That's investinginoilandgas.com. If you want to be contacted about drilling opportunities, there is a place to sign up for an email list. So if you're interested in that, you'll probably want to be on that list. Once again, I thank you for being here and listening to this podcast. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Visit us at investinginoilandgas.com and join our email list.